Welcome back to From the Proscenium, the podcast about filmmaking and movie watching. We are continuing our review of the movie Avengers Endgame. This is part two of two of our review. We continue our conversation about the movie, and as usual, we kind of end up going all over the board. We end up, I believe, talking about Titanic. Somehow or another, we end up through there. And by then, we decided we have reached the end of our conversation of the movie Avengers Endgame. We'll pick up where we left off with the changing of topics from the movie to discussing the trailers that were on before the movie. We now continue with part two of our review, full of spoilers, for Avengers Endgame. Enjoy! Speaking of which, but unrelated, trailers going into this movie. Ooh, those were bad, weren't they? Godzilla. <laughs> They're bringing in all the Godzilla monsters all at once. Yeah, like Mothra like, was they, there. They didn't want to do a whole series of Godzilla versus Mothra. And Godzilla versus, it's like all of them, what, 17 of them all come to life all at once. I always thought Mothra was Godzilla's friend, though. It depends on the Did movie. he fight? Did he fight Mothra? Uh, I'm not too up and up on Godzilla. I'm not either. I thought, I don't know. I remember the movie Mothra, but I don't remember. Do you remember the song Mothra? No. The two little Japanese girls singing. Oh, yeah. Because they're, they're like little miniature <laughs> yeah, yeah. little girls. Well, yeah, Mothra has those. I forget what they're yeah. called in the, yeah. What else did we see? What oh, other trailers? God, what oh, there was Star Wars, Star Wars 9. Yeah. Fast and Furious presents. <laughs> yeah, Fast and Furious presents Calvin and You know what? I laughed through that whole trailer. At one point, The Rock is holding on to some sort of vehicle, action vehicle tank thing, with this, a this, chain that's hooked to a helicopter flying, and he's going, and, holding and, them both. And the car is suspended in the air. <laughs> yeah, because it's falling off a cliff. Right. That's amazing. That's a testament to how strong The Rock is. That is good. But the, the, Sorry, and then he went to the he went to the, yeah he went to uh, Samoa I guess and got his clansmen that are gonna fight and then again they had a giant running fight with the other with the villains right. like with weapons who have guns sticks. who had yeah. guns yeah the, yeah the, the Samoans had sticks and bows and arrows but they all ran at each other and but he does get walloped by a big guy in the movie <laughs> slow motion so you see him see him being hit. Yeah, I don't even know what like vulnerability. Is that is what that, part of the storyline this become is? Comedies? I have, I have not no watched idea. any of these. Are, are they supposed to be comedies? I think this one is marketed as a comedy. Could you see The Rock and Jason Statham doing some banter back and forth, and The Rock making comedic faces like when they're in that? <laughs> I don't think it's a that, that, I don't, that <laughs> opening that opening part of the trailer where they're in the two different rooms. Oh yeah, you open you open your door. But I that's, want that door. That's Marvel humor. They've been doing that for ten years. It's the same type of humor, but they don't market them as comedies. I don't think it's going to be marketed as comedy. I think it's just lampoonish action. Because the last, the last two, the last two or three Fast and Furiouses were just. I mean, there's a scene where Vin Diesel, like, there's he's fighting Jason Statham because Jason Statham's a bad guy for a while. I don't know when he turns good guy, but they're fighting on top of this parking garage that's cracking. And Jason Statham makes some stupid action scene remark, and Vin Diesel makes a one-liner and literally stomps on the concrete, which then collapses underneath Jason Statham, and he falls down into the... But Vin, but Vin Diesel was fine. He just oh, yeah. stomped, and like... He just fell... And I think it's it's just that stuff all the time now. I think they've gone into the land of... Is, is, have they, parody. Have they, they've gone lens flare? Yeah. You want lens flare? I'll there give were you lens, lens. There were lens flares and. 
but but the the Avengers Fast and Furious with it they just they get a little silly, a little bit more silly, and now it's just yeah, it's, it's gone on so long they know what silly. they're doing, and it's yeah. yeah. And the Rock knows what he's doing. You were listening they, to him on do, interviews. Do you think they even script those? Like, okay, let's just uh, get on a scene and here's the room, a, do some stuff. I was expecting yeah. to like WWE presents because sometimes they do those movies. They're self aware. Yeah. The films now are. It's funny you mentioned that uh, WWE. I was watching. I told you I was watching Blade Trinity. Is that one of those? No. Oh. I was W no no it's uh no not that but uh, I was watching Blade Trinity last night and it has Triple H in it oh yeah and he actually does one of his wrestling moves he does a suplex they <laughs> <laughs> crack up I saw it I said you just put him in here so we could do the suplex didn't you oh yeah so you're sticking with your B minus B minus C plus it's it's sliding towards C plus category I guess it should be a C because it C is it's average meets expectations. Yeah, it's average. What um so we talked about or you discussed what you didn't like about the film. What things did you like? So I'll say, so I'll tell you what I liked first. If we're um, if you're trying to be fair and balanced, yeah, right. I'll tell you what I liked first. I liked the I liked Tony Stark's Iron Man story. It was a it was a fitting into that character that we've been following now for ten years. I thought that was good, especially for. Robert Downey Jr. who's done with it and it didn't get goofy at the end or something like that. I liked what's her name from Guardians of the Galaxy. Nebula. Yeah. I liked her character a lot. Yeah, she played a lot a very large role in this movie. Yeah, and she was good. Um but I also remember her from the two Guardians and how she's evolved as a character, which you still see in this. I liked that. I actually didn't mind at first the time traveling. That was done well. I could see for all the Marvel fans going, oh, Loki's in jail right now, and they walked past. Like, I liked that. But then it got too long, and I'm like, oh, now can we go back to them fighting? I liked Rocket Raccoon. I always liked Guardians of the Galaxy, though. So when the Guardians were together at the end, I thought that was the funniest part of the movie, where, like, Chris Pratt's character was arguing with Thor, and then... All the Guardians were like, why don't you guys fight, but with knives. Like, that was funny. I don't feel like... So, so, so speaking of humor, and they always talk about how these... I didn't feel like this movie was that funny. There was a lot of flat jokes, I felt. Like, there was parts that were supposed to be jokes, and I thought... So I saw it coming. So, it really wasn't even... I wouldn't even say it's as funny as some of those other ones that they were marketing as funny. Did you think it was funny? I thought Drunk Thor was funny. It was, was alright. That was it? Drunk Thor, <laughs> two minutes well, of the movie. <laughs> there, there wasn't a whole lot of other long. There was a lot of one-liners and crap, like yeah, but, usual. But, but they, they were there falling comedic flat. scenes that, that yeah. kind of built upon themselves. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, the humor didn't. I and I heard someone. One of the reviews was like, "This movie's actually pretty funny." I'm out. I didn't. It wasn't that funny. Well, the thing it was because it was so predictable, and they were giving everyone what we wanted, what we wanted out of the movie. Then they gave us some jokes that everyone everyone yeah. got a chance to deliver some jokes. Are you done with your what you liked about it? Or do you have more? That's all I liked. I was just gonna say for all the people that'll probably accuse me of just being a Marvel hater, I don't hate Marvel. I mean I do. But um <laughs> case of hate poisoning. I know. I'm not giving the movie a C minus D plus based on the Marvel y stuff. It's as a film, it just was kind of boring. It was too long. I get, like we said, it'd be like me coming in at the end of a series and going, yeah, all this is is just wrapping up stuff, which it wasn't appealing to me. I, It was cool seeing some of the characters again, but 
I, I was kind of over it. Like I said, the parts that were strong were the Tony Tony's story, which it essentially, in my book, it was his movie. But then when they started just going on these side quests, there's a lot of side quests. It just... And I knew where it was going, so I was like, now I gotta sit an hour and watch them find all the stones again, which... Yeah, it was too much. It was too much. Is it the worst Marvel movie I've seen? No. Far from. Does it rank... Oh God, top 10? Top half? Bottom half? Of Marvel films? Yeah. My favorite Marvel... The best Marvel film, I think, is Iron Man still. The first one. I um, agree. Second place for me would be the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, because Guardians of the Galaxy was... When I saw it, it was kind of out of left field for me. Because at that point, Marvel had started to get stale. But then Guardians came out. I was like, whoa, this is kind of new and unique. The second one I did not like. I like, Third, the, sec- I like the second better than the first. Guardians. Yeah, the second one. Is, was a, that movie was a mess. Third place, I would have to say... I like Iron Man 2. I don't know why people knock Iron Man 2. I like Iron Man 2. I like Mickey Rourke's character. I did too, but everyone hated on him. I was like, he's a good villain. Yeah, like, good. we knew where he came from. We knew his motivation. He's interesting. And they brought in uh, Don Cheadle's character well. Like, it wasn't yeah. forced. In, I didn't feel like it was forced in there with him. Whereas Iron Man 3, he, it just got it out of control with, I have a million suits that are now helping me. And I'm like, ow. Iron Man 2 also dealt with a little bit of Tony Stark's drinking problem. Yeah. It's, I think, it's, is it the only film? That, I think so. Did Iron Man 3 cover that? Any? Not really. That? Okay. And Iron Man 2 was nice because he was still dealing with the effects of being Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So it was more of a personal story where then we just got into the realm of Avengers where it was fighting yeah. CGI space creatures. They did do a little bit of Avengering. Or not Avengering. That was one of the first ones at the yeah. end where they show, I think it was Thor's Hammer. Thor's Hammer was also Nick Fury and Black Widow come in halfway through the film as well. Oh, yeah, Black But you didn't really know yet. That, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. That was fine because it's still early. But uh, Was that three? That was my top three. It's a good, it's fair, it's a good top three. This one, uh, I don't know. It, it all kind of gets... Well, you have one out of 22 now. I know. I don't even know. I'm trying to think of like what I've even seen when I haven't seen. I agree with you. I, I like the Iron Man arc. I liked... It, it did seem a nice closure for us following him for the last 10 years. Yeah. I did like, even though it was completely predictable, but there was that thrill of when all the Avengers and everyone else shows up magically through... Oh, you the, liked that? I but, laughed during that part. But but, like, but it oh. felt like it, it was it was different than just army marching over a hill. Yeah, it was just all of a sudden these things are you knew pop, it was coming. It was predictable, and but That's, it was at that point in time you know Captain's shield has been broken and yeah. they were they were just completely dejected and defeated and yeah. so I, I did like that scene. It, it was it was well done. But how else could they have done it? They had to bring in all the people that that were brought back to life into right. into battle. Well, that's what I was saying too of it being too long. Because I knew that was coming, so it was kind of at a certain point. I'm like, I know it's coming. They're all gonna come back. You're but all the gonna. Three, the three had to be just completely, utterly defeated. And, yeah. And Cap just basically just barely standing up and, and still going. I have to go and fight this battle. Mm-hmm. I would say that 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 scene is a great fan service scene. Yeah, it was. Because yeah. when you see all the like every like almost every buddy from <laughs> that's not dead. Every character that's from this, from it was this, literally uh, every. Yeah. And, and they all get <laughs> their cameo shots because there was the um, Doctor Strange people pop out, yes. and the Black pa- Black Panther people pop out. Everyone, all the people yeah. that, that Pegasus lady, yeah, the, yeah, know, all of them know. pop out. So uh, everyone pops out from their little windows. So they all get their their moment of time of like, 
they're alive. And then it was just they're alive. superhero chaos. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I started laughing. I was, was like, "This yeah, is getting rambunctious." Yeah. That was that's the money shot, though. No, I know. <laughs> I know that's what it was. Yeah. I like that. It 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 was well done. Um, but like I said, overall the movie was was predictable. I'd like like I said the Iron Man story. I would have liked to have seen more of the Guardians, but of course they were they were indisposed. I mean, he saw a lot of Rocket. He was the last a lot one of Rocket, left. Yeah. He was he was just snarky the whole way. Yeah, but that's his. Character. That's good though. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. He was good. I liked him. I liked him because of all the characters. He seemed to have gotten over the loss of all of his friends. Yeah, but that's, he's. It was nice that he was. He just kind of moved on with the. I life. liked him. I liked him teaming up with Thor. That was funny. Yeah, I did want to. Say, I don't know. Like for predictions, I thought it would be funny or not funny, but I didn't know if they were. I thought they would do this when he was on Earth. Rocket Raccoon would see another raccoon and get like. That would be funny because yeah, he's never yeah, yeah get kind of kind of yeah like get the feels or something like try and talk to him or something like that or get freaked out that it's or a raccoon because he doesn't That'd be know. Interesting. Yeah. I, there's not enough time for that though, Mike. <laughs> we had to shove everything else into yeah. this movie. Like if I was just they shoved a lot. They did. They lot. shoved a lot in there. As just a film, like okay, so I'll give it as a Marvel movie. I'll give it a C still. It, it's a C movie. And I like how when they brought Ant Man back. He was the fish out of water, but not horribly so. Yeah, that was good. That was fine. It, it was done it in, in a short period of time. Plus, Paul Rudd's good. Yeah. So, yeah, as a Marvel movie, it's still. I mean, it's it's a C movie. As a movie, movie, it had a lot of plot hole issues. I would say pacing, plot holes were a little bit. If you really start thinking about it, which don't, especially it gets as, messy. As, fast. as we talked about, as soon as you start messing with the time, yeah, with time traveling, time traveling gets don't don't sketchy. overthink it. Because then there's a lot of questions. Like, we even had, so was she sacrificed before or after? Does it matter? Because they're in a different dimension, but then she didn't come back, but then this person was killed, so technically she shouldn't be here, and it's, yeah, it's messy. And I think they tried to get around that by just writing in, like, quick one-liners, like, about Back to the Future. Right, so So you got rid of that. Two two of them go back and forth between listing off all the movies that have played with time travel. Right. to, To let us know, okay, we get it. Which was funny to me because I was like, you're about to do the same thing. Right. And they did. And, they did. <laughs> and it did. Yeah. It's just messy time travel. So, yeah, when you start getting into time travel, it gets... Even good time travel movies, yeah, you sit and go, that doesn't make any sense logically. Yeah, you have a lot of paradoxes and... Days of Future Past. Yeah. A good time Even the Terminator, movie. you start doing time, you're like, that wouldn't make sense with that. Pace, pacing was bad. I, I just... Well, I don't think the pacing was... Bad. It was just slow. No, it's paced poorly because it shouldn't have been. If it's paced poorly, you shouldn't have half the beginning of the movie completely slow, and then like sections that are too fast, and then go back to completely slow. Like that's poor pacing. Most of the direct uh, Infinity War. <laughs> well, yeah. Anything else? Yeah, they've done America's Civil War. Ugh. Yeah, they've only done Marvel movies, so they don't know how to pace. No, I'll look up their resume. Yeah, look it up. So we don't look. They up. have they have to make something. You, else. you did laugh during one of the trailers. Was like from the produ- from the from the directors of Infinity War. All of yeah, it was and, all of the Marvel movies. And you start laughing because I think they're producing in this movie. Yeah. I, they don't think they've been directing this one that the trailer was for. No, but um, some of the acting in this movie was poor. I felt like some people were phoning it in. In terms of directing films, they've done Welcome to Collinwood, two thousand two. Mm. You, me, and Dupree, the Owen Wilson dog. Yeah, movie. 
2006, <laughs> Captain America topic? Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Affinity War. So then War, they just went in it. How do you go Avengers. from Owen Wilson dog movie to <laughs> superhero <laughs> movies? Exclusive superhero movies. Yeah, that's a big jump. Uh-huh. But they did it. <laughs> they did it. You're right. They made some money. But that is one thing we talked about on a previous episode is name the directors of the Marvel movies. Joss Whedon. Uh, yeah. Joss Whedon, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, Gunn. James Gunn. James Gunn. Uh, Ryan Coogler. He yeah. did Black Panther. Yeah. Scott Derrickson. Excuse me. Scott Derrickson did Doctor Strange. I didn't know him. Joe Johnston. Would you like Joe Johnston because he did mm-hmm. The Rocketeer? He did Captain America. He did Captain America. Avenger. Yeah. John Favreau did the first two Iron, Iron Man's. And, yeah, and John Favreau. Shane Black did Iron Man 3. Better I, yet, name the DC directors. That's harder. Patty the, Smith. Yeah, and Wonder then... Um, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, Take those reins. David Ayer did Suicide Squad. Ooh. So they have, Marvel has good direct. I mean, Marvel has good directors. When they they have don't have work. complete creative control. When they don't though. have complete creative control, but, it, it gets a little bit more... It gets messy. Yeah, they don't... I mean, you could say they directed it, but Mar- what Marvel does well that DC, for some reason, can't do is that they keep their tone pretty much the same. Like, the tone of the film, once once Disney took it over, because there, during the Wild Wild West years of Marvel movies, you would get some. Like, Ang Lee Hawks, where you're not going to get that now, because Disney will not allow... Punisher Warzone. Yeah, you, they're not going to allow, or Elektra... Uh, they're not gonna Daredevil. Daredevil. Um, Spider Man Three. They're not gonna allow that kind of, we'll call it experimentation, because mm. their tone was so fluid, which they did well. I mean, I said, that's, did, did, but you did have they to get credit for it's spanning, Disney. Spanning, it's the producer. You have to twenty two movies and telling a somewhat coherent story. Yeah, you story. have to you have to take those reins though from the directors. So when you say people directed, it's like eh, yes and no. They guided it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kevin Feige, he's the one who's overseeing this entire saga. Which, he, which he's got a better track record so far than old Kennedy at Star Wars. If I recall Kathleen correctly, yeah. for, at least for Infinity War, which I'm assuming is for Endgame, the directors from the independent of the independent character movies were on set. So oh, Gunn sure. Gun was in during the, Galaxy, the Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy scenes in Infinity Wars. He could then translate between what the directors wanted and what. And Disney's that, got Disney's got the deep pockets to do that. Well, yeah, this, the pay bu- all yeah, those people. The budget for this for Endgame, I looked it up earlier today, is at least it was reported three hundred fifty-six million dollars. That's crazy. You, I mean, I think the last one was two hundred fifty. Does yeah. that does that include marketing or is that purely production? I imagine it's just that's probably production. I imagine it's just production. But look think, at all those. I mean, they got yeah. top tier actors. Yeah, I think just it, paying that, them alone. Yeah, that's a lot of above the line yes. cost. I mean, guy, they got Bradley Cooper for one. He's one of the. I think he's one of the top paid actors right now. Yeah, and he's just and, they, vo- he's, and he's just one character. Yeah, and he's just the voice. Yeah, because I yeah like I was thinking about how much it must have cost. Um, not Quentin Tarantino, but how much it must have cost the studio to get Brad Pitt and Leonardo oh, DiCaprio yeah. in one film for. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, but Tarantino's got that name. He's, behind he's it. got the yeah. pull. Yeah, he has a pull for that to be sure. I mean, it's almost reminiscent of old Hollywood, where yeah. you would have actors and actresses sign on to studios, and then the studios would just pump out movies for, with, for a ten picture deal. Yeah, it's almost Star it's, system. Yeah, we've almost gone back to early Hollywood with Marvel and Disney, where 
it's this conveyor assembly line product with even specific actors. Netflix does the same thing. If you watch Netflix movies, Netflix originals, they'll have similar actors. And I said, I wonder if they sign like a Netflix contract. I don't know that for sure, but I've started to notice similar actors in different Netflix originals. So it's almost like we're getting back into the old school Hollywood system where you sign on to like this studios and you make whatever six films with them and all the films are going to be the same. It's interesting. It's an interesting time. But at the same time, you have really good, not necessarily complete independent films, but somewhat independent films being made. When we were the, hanging out in the lobby before the movie, we were looking at upcoming attraction posters. And what, 80% of them were Disney? Yeah, that one wall, that one whole wall was well, Disney. Yeah, you four, counted it. four posters were all Disney. And I think even the, on the upper, other wall... The one, one that wasn't was X-Men, which Disney now owns, so... Technically was, not, but technically yes. There's another one on the other wall that we're looking there's at. There's Spider-Man, there's X-Men, or Dark Phoenix, and there was... Uh, the only one that wasn't was that John Wick movie. Parabellum. Yeah. So that's what we have to look forward to there's all Disney. In, in the theaters is Godzilla. That's your summer now, is those movies. We saw the Lion King trailer today, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd never seen that, and that was weird for me. What were your I thoughts on that? Ugh, No. You were just saying, what, I'll just watch the animated. Yeah, it's, it's animated, but it's animated by computers. Right, but you said you'll just watch the original. Yeah, because it was almost some. There was similar, like Mike, I think, told me. That's what gets people in the seats. It's like shot for shot of The Lion King. I would just watch The Lion King. At least that has Jeremy Irons in it. Because when I first heard Scar Talk, it was kind of a letdown. Jeremy Irons is so iconic. It's almost like seeing the blue genie. Everyone threw a fit with yeah. Will Smith. Well, now it's Chiwetel Jaya for. Mm-hmm. Which may have something to do with, that's another conversation in terms of they're changing the characters or they're giving them to actors or actors of color. Yeah. So, you know, the only reason they brought James Earl Jones back is maybe, I mean, well, I mean. Not, <laughs> you kind, not you kind of have to have him there. He's, he's an, he has an iconic voice. Yeah, because be I, I recognized him immediately. It yeah. almost sounded like they were doing you have to voiceovers. Have to remember who one. you are. Yeah, and you have to have him do that. Who who can replace James yeah, who can replace who can replace Jeremy Irons? Obviously, a scar. I just uh, maybe <laughs> maybe. No, they I could mean, they could have found someone for James Earl Jones. In terms of though, in addition to that, in relation to that, uh, the hyenas. One of them is being played by Eric Andre. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. Uh, I mean, I just like Eric Andre. Yeah, just... well, they got in trouble with the the original movie. By having uh, Cheech and Whoopi as the hyenas. Yeah, yeah, Cheech, Cheech Marin and Whoopi yeah. Goldberg. And I, I guess now they're getting, uh, I mean, I can look it up. They're getting a, a white actor to play uh, Rafiki. What? That's weird. That see. throws your logic out the window, Mike. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that might, I mean, there's other. Are, are they, are they claiming they did the, was it colorblind casting? Where they, they pick the best talent. It's not and, colorblind. What's it called? What's the, what's the term? Whitewashing. No, it's when they, they ignore the the race of the race or gender of the person and pick the best talent. No one does that. Oh, never mind. It's John Connie. He's, he's playing uh, he's playing Rafiki. He's South, he's South African. Uh, he's, he's a person of color. I think they're trying to make it more authentic to Africa, where it yeah. takes place. But they're having just like, like they did with Aladdin, where they tried to make it Middle East. Yeah, it's not just 
black actors was also like John Oliver's playing Zazu, and because there was there was um why is John Oliver in there? He's hot right now. He's got that HBO show. Yeah, but see, that doesn't make any sense. He's British. He's got some What's that guy? There. So is Scar. Right, but in um, the original one, Zazu is played by but Jeremy Irons. Plays it as right. Yeah. That's. I'm just saying. And it, so it's whatever. not shot for shot. They've changed it. It's different. No, it's shot for shot. It's just not voice for voice. <laughs> <laughs> Details. <laughs> was it Rowan Atkinson? Yes. Zazu. Yeah. That's right. Mr. Bean. Oh, he played Zazu. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Although, when I saw Lion King originally, I probably didn't know who Rowan Atkinson was. How old were you? I would have been like fifth grade. Yeah, you wouldn't know who Mr. Bean no. is. Because Mr. Bean then got... Mr. Bean kind of got big end of the 90s. It was like 98, 99. But those were like reruns, right? Yeah. Yes. Of the Canadian, yeah. Because we used to get them on... Fox. There used to be some channel... I think we'd get them on Fox Family. This was before that. We uh, would get... Um, we used to get some Canadian channel. Oh yeah, and it'd play like uh, the Red Reed show. Was it? Is that what his name was? Red. I don't know. Are you being served? Was on there, which was a British show. Right. But they would play it. But anyway, that's how I saw Mr. Bean. Did you say your positives for the film? Yes. Oh, okay. Did you say your negatives? Yes. Yes. The positives weren't super positive. And the negatives weren't super negatives. It was just yeah. It was it it, it did a nice job of wrapping up the stories. Yeah. I just wish I just wanted more out of it. I don't know what more I wanted. I feel like you're where I was. Going into it? No, I feel like where you are right now in your development with Marvel is where I was via circa Iron Man 3. I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah. It just took you a little bit. Because the last few ones I have not been too interested in. Yeah. Where do you see the series going now that they've concluded this big... It's going to continue. They even continue, they even but... tease that it's going to continue. Well, yeah, yeah they've yeah. always they've, yeah the they've they've said it's not stopping. Right, right. Yeah. No, no, I I totally I definitely agree. But in terms of based on what you know about the source of material, which is Marvel Comics, where do you see it going in terms of that? Like, who do you think is the next major villain? I see. I don't even know who space. the next major hero is because, like I said, I don't know how they're gonna. Because I feel the major, like the Avengers, those characters themselves have carried a lot of the Marvel franchise. Because if you look at the box office, other than Black Panther, a lot of the big box office were the major Iron Man, Thor, because they were playing off their characters in gesturing towards this end game. Mm. So, like, you would go and see Thor Ragnarok because it's Thor, and you have to watch it to get to the next. But now that that's that storyline is gone, story, right? You don't. You need like a you. Uh, you need a new Iron Man one to build, and I don't feel like because we're, we're left Captain with Captain Marvel or Doctor Cap- Strange. Yeah, we're left with Captain Marvel, the characters, Doctor that Strange, gonna, Black Panther. Who else are we left with? Spider Man, Spider Man, Spider Man. But he's Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy. Thor. But Guardians, I don't see Guardians playing much of a role on Earth. I think they're always going to be space. Space which is, movies, which is fine. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Because that's but, what they are. I mean, who else? There's one other one. Oh, uh, Sam Wilson, or the new Captain America. Unless they plan on the X Men, but the X Men have been around now. I they're, they the X Men franchise comes with some baggage. I think, and it's going to be tough for them to remarket and repackage it because there's so many X Men movies. A lot of them bad. As we talked about at lunch, I think they should almost pull a Wonka. And just close the gates and do nothing for a couple years except put some comic books out and merchandise. And don't do any movies and let us have a chance to recover from these because whatever they come out after this is not going to make $17 billion. Because Endgame is going to walk out with 
probably breaking two billion. I think at first they'll still be making a lot of money, and then it'll. It's wane. already made one point two billion yeah. right. this weekend. So, but they also opened it in China at the same time, mm-hmm. which is worldwide. Yeah, worldwide which is rare. Is one point two billion? Yeah, but it still broke. It still, it still broke U.S. Yeah, records still. by itself. Yeah. I'm not diminishing it. I'm just saying that's why it. But so I, I don't, did it now and not. I don't. I don't long. see the next Captain Marvel movie making a billion dollars like this one, the first one did. Because no, because a lot of people said they went to see it to get to Endgame. Right, I did. What can they do with her that's going to get us excited? As you, as, as you mentioned, I've reached burnout. Yeah. I wonder how many people are going to hit burnout or satisfaction from this and they're not going to want to they're not going to and, dip back and into people the theater. Were already, we talked about this. People were already at burnout 10 years ago, and that's when Marvel, when Disney revived it with Iron Man. 10 years ago, you know, Spider-Man 3, that was, it started to hit that low point where people were just too many superhero movies. Then you also got Dark Knight as well, which, that was, a, that was a one of a kind of thing, though. Yeah, it is. That came out. Because even the third Batman was, it didn't do as well. No, as, it didn't come out of anywhere, but. No. It was, uh, it was like, it reminds me, like, when you're talking about Black Panther, that was a, for comic books, that was a cultural event. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Dark Knight still is what everyone points to as. Yeah. That's the quintessential comic book movie, comic book quote unquote movie. Because it's um, not just a comic book movie; it's a drama movie, yeah. it's a crime movie. Which I think ruined. I think that's what impact it. It helped and it hurt DC because I think DC tried to copy what Nolan did. So when Man of Steel came out, they tried to make a Superman movie look like Nolan's Batman. It just didn't work. But then they kept trying to do it, mm-hmm. and it just. It's just now that people are starting to say, well, this one's all right, like uh, Aquaman, or I haven't seen him, obviously. But Shazam. Shazam, people are saying it's because I think they're, they're trying to get out of that cycle of we're trying to copy Nolan, or which isn't working. They're trying, and also, they're not trying to do, they're being less, uh, they're backing off on that idea of a universe now. Yeah. So, like, they're making that standalone Joker film, which is, it's a nice change of pace. Or yeah. pace back to, or pace know. back to, however you want to phrase it, but regress, regress. It'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But Iron Man for Marvel, I think this is my opinion, but I think that was their Dark Knight of that. I think if you would have just had Iron Man and then Iron Man Two and not done Avengers, it would have petered out. Mm-hmm. I think yes. I think Avengers is what helped carry this entire ten years because there's a lot of people I run into going. I go to see these to see because I have to know what's going to happen, and maybe they're going to do that with Phase Seven or whatever this is. But I don't, I don't see an Iron Man character or a. I'm trying. The to only think person of I can think I like. of is Black Panther. Yeah. In terms of being the most popular at this point, one of the most popular at this point in terms of carrying the franchise, like Iron Man did, possibly, maybe. I would say it depends what they do with this character because. More so, I would say more so than Captain Marvel, to be sure. Yeah, because he he at least has weaknesses. She just seems like she's kind of yeah, all powerful. Except when it comes to having to win a one on one battle. At least, at least Black <laughs> Panther has a personality too. Like when I saw her in this movie, she just it literally nothing. I'm like, she does she have emotions or she as, we, as, say as, as I told or? you in my review, that was her whole thing was they. They, yeah. they beat, not beat, but they... I think she had drilled. one, two lines. At one point, she raised her eyebrow, and then another time she said, I think you have something for me, which was like the gauntlet. She did a little bit of an eye slit, too. Like yeah. Oh, yeah, about the haircut, right? She cut her eyes. Oh, yeah, she said, I'll, I'll probably be gone a while. She had like three lines. Yeah. I don't know. Which is a lot of... I mean, they had a lot of hype on that movie a month ago. I'm going to go on a limb, and I'm going to rate 
Avengers Endgame is a cotton candy movie. It's, it's, it's light. It, it's light. It's fluffy. You walk out feeling nah. signally sweet. That means you just hit. Nope, I don't agree. You just hit the perfect. No, a, no, it's no. It's a popcorn not, grinder. It's a comfort movie. It's not a popcorn grinder. A, I quit eating my popcorn. As nah, you saw. It was a popcorn grinder for sure. It's, you shut your brain off. Throw that popcorn nope, in at the end. No, nope, because it's too boring. You don't. No. You don't get it. You don't. Get, you don't engross. They needed a good battle scene early on to get you your blood boiling. Mm-hmm. When you go to a music concert. The band comes out with... Well, that's one, the pacing issue I was talking they, about. They come out with a, a song that gets you up and screaming, yeah. and then they play a second song that's quieter to get you to settle down for the rest of the concert. They started off... They, they didn't come up with a get out of your seats and cheer along with the band scene in this movie until... No, they did right at the beginning. They cut his head off. Even then, that wasn't... You got him jacked up right before the... But that was, there wasn't... A, there's no anticipation. There's no... It just happened. I went for the head. Well, I mean, they also cut his arm off. That's what I was yeah. wondering about when I saw Infinity War was why didn't he just cut his arm off when he threw that, when he threw Stormbreaker at him? But right. they did it in this, and they answered that question. Yeah, just as a counterpoint to you, but no, I, I agree. I, I get what you're saying. It's not pure cotton candy, but there's, it, it has a lot of cotton candy characteristics. But no, I, I thought, I don't, I thought I don't, cotton candy was like Field of Dreams, where you just feel good the whole time. It's light and fluffy, and, and you walk out sitting really sweet. <laughs> That's the one that came to my head. Okay. I mean, it's a happy ending. Oh, is, so if it's a cotton candy movie, it has to have where a you happy feel, ending. yeah, you feel at the end of it, it you it, feel it, kind of light and. I, I wouldn't. It was a I, good, wouldn't, I wouldn't call feel a drinks because it, it has things you actually have to think about. Wait, you have to, you can think during cotton candy movies. Field of Dreams it's, is a cotton light, candy it's light, movie. It's light and fluffy. Now, Field of Dreams, I'd say, is a cotton candy movie. I love Field of Dreams; it's one of my favorite movies, but. Because at the end, it gives you such a feeling of closure, but yet happiness, that other movies, just leaving it, you don't get that. We're still working on our definitions. I just, yeah, this I wasn't a cotton candy movie. Because you didn't, the, the cotton candy, I never got that out of this movie. cotton candy movie is. What was the one you referenced that was cotton candy? Unicorn Store. That's the one that, that had me develop the cotton candy theory. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is also featuring Brie Larson. She directed it. Too. Hmm. Um, Coincidence? No. I don't think so. I would say Crazy Stupid Loves Cotton Candy. A lot of rom coms, I would say, are cotton candy because there's a happy ending. No, those are cookie dough. No. You were supposed no. to say no. Cookie doughs are the ones, remember, you said that are very rare where you sit and just want to cry and eat yeah. junk food. Like, you're mopey. You're, yeah, you're, that's not rom coms. Like, Crazy Stupid Love, yeah. it's all yeah. lighthearted and it's, even though there's quote unquote tension, it's usually a happy ending. So the movie has to make you cry. It makes like, you feel like cotton candy. No, no, I'm talking about the cookie dough ones. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, cookie cookie dough is the ones that you shut the blinds and you want to be depressed and cry and watch the movie. The Notebook, for one, oh, okay. would be a cookie dough movie. Not really a happy ending, kind of depressing. So, like The Dark Knight. But you want to watch it. Nah, it's not cookie dough. <laughs> but you want to watch it. You want to watch it to get those feelings out of. Oh, okay, so like surface, not surface feelings, but like... Something emotional, but not so much of it. Right. It's like Requiem for a Dream's not coming. No, 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 no. There's different levels. <laughs> um, yeah, that your whole Titanic, world. in a way, could be could be cookie dough. Yeah, I could see yeah. that, especially the second. Yeah. The, first the second, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First part, definitely, and then the second part is... At least the the conclusion of it is yeah, very it blends into, it, yeah. it blends into popcorn grinder territory with the second yeah. part. The second part is more of an action film. Yes. 
then that last part where they're where she's in heaven, which I don't know why you want to go back to that <laughs> ship to be in heaven. But. I never got that either. So when I watched Titanic, I was always kind of disappointed. And I get it's the romantic appeal of her being in love with Jack. But I would sit there and I'd say, wait, she knew him for what? Two days, three days at max. And she sh- got married. And she got married for how many years and had kids? And that's who she went back to was Jack on the ship. It's like, wait, so you cared nothing for your husband or family of 80 years that you were married? You were like 110 in that movie. Hawkeye. In well, and what it is, is it's because as an audience, you're connected with Jack and Rose's relationship. You weren't really connected with Hawkeye's relationship, even though they tried to get you to care for his kids, but you never really saw him ever again. Right, so but, you were more in tune with... But the thing he loves the most is not his family. Right. You were more in tune with him in, in Black Widow, which is a weird... It was just written weird. Then it seemed like he cared more about Black Widow than his family that was the major driving force of him becoming a... A crazy lunatic, was it? What's he? Ronan. Oh, he'd be a yeah. samurai then. That's the same thing with Titanic. Is it would be weird if at in real life at the end she'd die and go back to her husband and family that she no. Instead, she goes because you watched a three hour movie you spent about three Titanic hours, and right. you want the you want the closure of them being together. Maybe they're in like a polyamorous relationship at the end. Maybe she's in like different dimensions where when you die you can go. Which one? Rose. Like okay. let's say when you die. You know, because you're dead, so you could traverse these different into, into, realities into multiple realities. Right. And spend, so she, and one, one of the realities is she's with Jack. being on Titanic with right. Jack. James Cameron didn't make that ship seem very appealing, though, to most people. Like if you're rich, it was fine, but I don't know why yeah, you want to go below, back there. Any below the yeah, below anywhere the below deck. that, even second class, you're like, oh, not that great. Yeah, because like because it's not just her and Jack; it's every it's the entire crew of the ship. So it's like. <laughs> The maids They're like, like stuck I there. I have to be a maid for the rest of my for the rest of my eternity <laughs> on this doomed ship. On this doomed ship. <laughs> I don't, I don't Maybe they didn't that. go to heaven. Maybe that was the whoops. That just changed the tone of the movie. Maybe that's hell. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hell shit. There's a <laughs> there's a post. That's our, that's our new series. Hell shit. <laughs> hell shit. They go back to that car and there's like spikes sticking out with bloody heads. <laughs> there's an old there's a Twilight Zone episode called I think it is oh man it's not Doom Ship it's um lateness nope. of the hour no I've seen that one I know you're talking about yeah where he's yeah. the German officer yeah, that yeah, yeah. sunk the ship and he's doomed to be on the ship that he sunk every night and he sees himself but that's like his curse because he was mm-hmm. that's a good episode that is a good one maybe that's the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, who knew James Cameron was so <laughs> heavily influenced by Twilight Zone for, by uh, Rod not Rod Stewart uh, Rod, Rod Sterling Rod Sterling Rod Stewart Rod Stewart <laughs> that's a little different yeah <laughs> Maggie May Rod Sterling yeah but the you know Titanic falls again into that you want closure because we're American audiences which is why the Dark Knight when it came out was refreshing because you didn't get that right you got Batman having to send himself into exile and yeah. The Joker effectively winning at the end. Yeah, because he was still alive. Where in most superhero movies, you want them vanquished, quote-unquote. But really, the last you see the Joker, he's just hanging there. So you don't yeah. know what... I guess you suspect that the police took him into custody. Yeah. But he gets out of custody so easy that it's... I feel like, though... And this is my opinion. You guys can disagree with me or agree with me. I feel like Hollywood falls back on those happy endings. But I, it's almost as if, if you look at a lot of movies that don't have them, I think American audiences respect ambiguous endings or endings that might not be clear cut more than Hollywood gives us credit for. Yeah. It's almost like they think the audience is stupid 
and they're like, oh, here's a happy ending. But I feel like Avengers could have ended differently and people still would have liked it. Not saying that like everyone should have died and that'd be the end, but I don't know if we needed all the clear cut. Oh yeah, now they're happy and dancing together. And now they're, I think audiences still would have respected that, but maybe that's just me giving people more credit. Because that's more reflective of film, as you say, not necessarily the material they're adapting it from because a lot of those storylines and comics have sad endings. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of dark. Like the night when Gwen Stacy died. Yeah. Or, or You know uh, that one, right, Tim? Which one? Uh, Spider-Man breaks Gwen Stacy's back. No. So in one of the storylines, Spider-Man's fighting Green mm, Goblin. Yeah. And they, they yeah they adapted into uh, the third one, the first Spider Man. Yeah, so the first Spider Man movie where he's holding the trolley. Yes, and then that's from that comic book. But in the comic book, he has to choose between he drops it, and when he shoots his web out to catch Gwen Stacy that's falling, he grabs her. But because of they use science for some reason in this, because his uh, web is so strong that when she hit it breaks her back and he kills her oh and they also put it in um it was it yeah it was in the second spider-man spider-man too yeah yeah different done differently though but yeah that was probably the best scene in that movie though the way it was shot Mm -hmm. because you got i mean that was a dark that's a dark moment so yeah a lot of comic books have that stuff that marvel doesn't because it's disney and it's they're trying to make it which they did i want to say try but they made it palatable towards the general audience, as opposed to, I would say, early Marvel, they were still catering towards comic book fans. A lot of it. I was, yeah, I would say the MCU has its fair share of decently dark moments. Not, not, not to the extent of no, the, not to that, not to the extent of the night when Gwen Stacy died or the Dark Knight. But they, they, they try and do it like you didn't see Captain America: Civil War. No, like the ending of that was, depending on how you view it, could be seen as a more depressing ending. Some of them are in exile, or some of them are fleeing from uh, the government, and the Avengers itself is just split up, totally fissured. So they have them, and they have it in there, but it's not as frequent as we might like to see it. Right. I'm going to ask the obvious question, which I think we already know the answer before I even ask it, but I'll ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. Did Marvel do a better job as they evolved the stories about making a mass appeal, but also appealing to the fans? better than Star Wars has done? That is a good question. I would say... I don't seem to see the, get the rebellion from the, the fans <sighs> that they felt deceived by the last few I think that's Marvel more movies. complicated of a yeah. question than you Star think it War, is. Yeah, Star, <laughs> Star, Wars, Star Wars and the MCU have different histories. Yeah. And their fans... Not that their fans are all different, but their fans are different. Like, you can have comic book fans or Star Wars fans, but I feel right. their love for the two things and i don't know because i've never been a huge comic book guy i mean i know i know some of it uh, like i said early on i read some spider-man and i always liked like the x-men cartoons and spider-man cartoons and so i follow it to a certain extent i've read some i like the standalone graphic novels a little better than the because i feel like i can just jump into the story and be done with it as opposed to not knowing where mm-hmm. i'm at in the storyline mm-hmm. but i feel like at least the people I know who love comic books and still like these movies, they like them for similar but dissimilar reasons. It's almost like they separate Marvel movies 
from the comic books, but then they blend so well that they say, I'm still going to go see these, but then sometimes complain about them afterwards. I've had plenty of but friends they're, they're do willing, that. But they're willing to let go some of the, the yeah. comic book story. They don't have before. the as harsh a criticism because it seems like early on Disney established these are Marvel movies. We'll still do some like fan service here or there, but they're kind of different. They're now, they're now owned by the general population. And it must be working because they're doing it did way better than Star Wars' track record right now. Because Star Wars already tanked after, what, three movies? And now they're trying to backtrack. But yeah, isn't like what Star Wars has had eight movies, but only two of them have been really good? Yeah. I mean, you mean like subjectively good? Subjectively like film-wise? Good. So, yeah, only them have been sub- <clears throat> two of them have only been subjectively good. The other ones have been either average to yeah. poor. That's that's just, that's a, that's a subjective statement as well. Because I, f- I feel, though, yeah, has a different I mean. perspective on that, but. Being a Star Wars fan from when I was early or young, we went through ups and downs with the prequels for one. And I feel like Disney swooped in and said, here's Force Awakens, which is all the Star Wars things that you loved. And everyone went, yeah, Stormtroopers and TIE Fighters, because you didn't have that. But then it feels like then Disney just said, we're going to put Star Wars images in it. And then it just feels flat now. It's like, I don't care. Like We still wanted stories, and we still wanted... We didn't just want to, like, Rogue One, I felt, was just, here's a Star Destroyer, and there's the Death Star, remember that? But they keep doing that. Even this last trailer, I'm like, oh, the Death Star again. And Star Wars fans keep saying, oh, another Death Star. Like, there's so many other things you could do because they've done it in the extended universe back in 1997. They didn't just have Death Stars all the time. It was like, there's other villains. So it feels like whoever they had in control of Star Wars, I don't think they understood it. At least from a Disney fans. or because Marvel, what's the what's the producer on uh, Kevin Feige? He seems Kevin Feige. Yeah, he seems to have somewhat of a grasp. No, he he seems to have a lot of control over where it's going, and Disney's kind of hands off. And I think they're doing the same thing with with um, Kathleen Kennedy with Lucasfilms, where they were letting her guide it. And I don't know if I don't know if she was a good pick. I don't right. know if she understands Star Wars. She wasn't like I don't think she's around on Lucas's. Like, she was with Steven Spielberg a lot of the time. Right. Like, Jurassic Park and I think Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think she was... Yeah, a, she was... She her was name's very, in there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, she was Amblin. Yeah. And then I don't know how she ended up over at Lucas. I, I missed that and part of... And then she was at Disney. But, but I don't... I don't think she understood Star Wars enough. And you can see through how they would cast these directors then fire them on multiple projects that they didn't know clearly what... They didn't know how to appeal to fans but then not care about fans at the same time is what they're trying to do because they're trying to appeal to a new audience, which Marvel did well because it Marvel early on grabbed a general audience, whereas Star Wars, you still had the Star Wars fans, which wasn't general. But is that also part of the evolution of society where in the 70s, like we've talked about, Star Wars was definitely for the geeks and nerds. Yeah. And by the time Iron Man comes out, it's now cool or cooler to like comic books. Yeah, but that took a long damn time. Right. But even then, society, the evolution of society has changed where Iron Man was received better, but then Star Wars was well received. I mean, it made lots of money. Yeah. But as you know, we got beat up or, or picked on in yeah. school for walking around with a Star Wars shirt or lunchbox or whatever, which you don't do that now. No. But I mean, comic book, people like comic books had the same deal back, you know. Yes. It wasn't, it was a, um, it was a subculture, which now we've made the subculture culture. 
same thing happens with different genres of music. Yeah, well, that's capitalism, yes. right? That's what it does, is it takes these outliers and makes them to make money, which they do. It does well. That's what capitalism it brings does me, well. well. Even if you watch uh, America's Got Talent. Yeah. When they, the first beginning of the season, they're very raw and ragged. And by the end of the season, they've had fashion experts. Yeah. And they've got makeup and staging and choreography. It's an where, industry. Yeah. It's, they take somebody who has raw talent that they can mold and but that's make, also, make it more I mean, appealing. That's also the cultural argument with some of these movements, cultural movements like feminism, for instance. What capitalism does well, and you see it in Disney, is they can grab those movements and make them seem mainstream. Commodify them. It commodifies them so that it lessens it in a way. So you watch Captain Marvel and you're like, feminism, but then you get feminists going, that what? Like that's not because it takes it, it and makes it makes it more, money off it of it. It makes it more palatable, right, to general audiences. Because if they were to be introduced to actual feminism or feminism in its purest form, yeah, the general audience wouldn't they, go for they, it. They, they, <laughs> but at the same, but you have to think at the same time. Disney's making a billion dollars on it. Yeah, so it's it's commodifying, but then it's still you're still able. So it's how you get all these producers that are still like old white guys, and people go, wait, wait, how are they quote-unquote feminists? They're not. They're just making money off it. They're claiming to be. But they can take it, they can script it, easily write it, and say, look, it's feminism. People go buy it. I mean, that's just... But they do the same thing with the subculture. So comic books, you can grab it, appropriate it, make it it appealing to the mass market, but that's when you get people going, like the Star Wars fans, this isn't real Star Wars, where even though real Star Wars, even when it first started, was a huge marketing machine. I mean, they were selling cardboard boxes with nothing in it, <laughs> and people were buying it. So right off the bat, George Lucas knew what he was doing with the toys and stuff. Original Star Wars fans want to kind of look the other way from that kind of selling point. But they get it now where it's still, they're just selling you crap. But they want to be mad about it because it's not their Star Wars. Which I get, but at a certain point you got to shrug and say, move on guys. Like like uh, William Shatner in that famous Saturday Night Live, or the Saturday Night Live good, skit good where life. he went to the, <laughs> the the con. Yeah, it's just a show. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> I mean, it makes them mad. I think Simon Pegg recently said. I think he tweeted something like, "It's it's a movie," but to a lot of people, it's not. So it's kind of disingenuous to say that too. But yeah, people invest not a lot of time and their a lot of time and they identify their life. With the characters yeah, and, and I get it. You do have to still recognize there's elements of it that aren't, you know, George Lucas purity. You know, episode four was just this great. I mean, it still had a lot of marketing and toy and merchandising behind it that made it what it was. What is the next subculture that's in beta phase that's going to be absorbed and and exploded into pop culture, into culture from pop culture? Is there anything left? Mm, there's always. I mean, we're in the postmodern era, right? There's nothing left. We just appropriate everything. Would an extension of that question be what's re? What, what are they going to bring back next in terms of old culture? Yeah, because I the a rehashing, thing, a rehashing. Because the thing I'm thinking now is the '90s. We've already started to get into that. Yes. What are we seeing from the '90s? Captain Marvel. Yeah. Well, so well, I mean, I've said, noticed recently. I don't know if you've noticed this that nostalgia runs on increments of about 25 years. So right now we're in the 90s nostalgia. We were in the 80s about five, six years ago, but now we're – because it's moving. So then I guess the logical steps are going to be the early 2000s. 
are introducing their kids to things that right. the parents did when the kids were that. Yeah. yeah. They were so the so in the eighties, you had a lot of films that were nineteen fifties nostalgia. That's where you got the American graffiti's. Greece, well, Greece was seventies, but still, that's that twenty. I mean, yeah, back to the future. Back to the future, and, and it moves to bank on that. So yeah, you know. I mean, now was it five years? Stranger Things was the '80s, and that's moved. Even this new season, because they've aged, it's now closer to '90s. So even like we saw the trailer for Dark Phoenix, that's in the '90s. Yeah. So yeah, you're gonna. How, what do you mean? How, what Dark do you mean Phoenix that? takes place in the '90s. It takes place okay. in the '90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even with the fashion, like I see people wearing fanny packs now, and the uh, scrunchy, the hair scrunchies are back from the uh, '90s. I don't think those ever went away, did they? Yeah, those like really big. It looks straight '90s when yeah. you see it. I've seen a lot of college chokers. Kids. People wearing chokers. Again. The place to go is college campus to see, and you mm-hmm. go, "This is all like '80s fashion or '90s mm-hmm. fashion." Or I don't, I don't see it on my college campus. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. a, it's a farm town, so we don't get you're, the yeah. You're like five years behind. But as far as like subcultures, I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question, though. I mean, there's a Pikachu movie coming out. Maybe it's that was appropriate. Appro- for that's, that's going back and doing retro. What is the next maybe, punk rock mu- music or yeah. punk, punk or comics or what's what's something that that the geek kids are doing now? I don't know. I'm not that, that in touch with. That's going to explode no. as the next thing. The only thing I can think of in terms of music wise that wasn't big or it's gotten a lot bigger since for the past few years is EDM. Yeah, that is. I don't know, though. Detroit had their big EDM concerts back in the early 2000s. But I'm just thinking, like, on a larger scale, because you have, like, these big... Or DJs are now the main... Or main... Or headlining major major festivals like Coachella and Lollapalooza. Yeah, because I looked at a lineup recently. I couldn't... I didn't recognize anybody that was on it. Yeah. And it's all, yeah. Did you feel senior. old? Did you realize you're an old person at that yeah, point? Yeah, well, I know I'm old. <laughs> but but I think now we just, things change so radically so fast that it's not even like back when my parents were my age where you could still connect and be like, oh, it's, you know, this version of rock music. Now it's like, there's stuff people are listening to. Like, what is that? Because technology is rapidly right. escalating to or faster. Just, or, than, yeah, access to, access to everything and instantaneously. access to everything is just greater than it was at any other yeah. time in our history. And there's either two things you can do with that. You can either you can either reject it or embrace it. So I'm thinking like for me it'd be uh like I'm big into hip hop and the hip hop today in terms of trap music and SoundCloud rap is vastly different from the rap music that I grew up on. But then the the two options are I could either reject it and not find the good music that's out there in the in those in those subgenres or embrace it and see there actually are good artists you either have two choices i mean yeah sometimes it requires changing your taste which is hard to do yeah that's once that's also certain, that's also true in once terms you hit of, a certain age yeah because there's like there's artists that i can listen to that are quote-unquote newer i just i don't follow them like i do the people i grew up listening to just because i mean there's science behind yeah. it but I won't get that, that's that. that's music i'm trying to think of other things within culture that people are embracing now films are different my Film, taste in yeah. films have changed yeah. just in the last five years that's a little different it's is strange. that your taste or is it because that's what's offered it's strange because music the last musical trend i got into that i never appreciated was jazz music and i got into that probably 10 years ago are you gonna say yacht rock no i don't know no. uh but jazz was and I listen to a lot of jazz. But jazz is kind of the same way. Like you said, there's new jazz. 
that you can either listen to and go, well, there's redeeming qualities here. There's jazz artists that are new playing old style of jazz, or you just listen to old jazz, right. which I listen to. I try to find new artists. Like Spotify is pretty good at recommending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it's hard now. There's so much to just go. Let's find this artist. It kind of you kind of have to stumble upon it with people recommending it. Just because there's so much out there. But movies are different because my my taste in movies has changed drastically. Like if I went back and talked to myself in seventh grade, my seventh grade self would go, "Wait, what are you doing? Like, you, you went to go I'll see go, that? Star Wars gets really bad really fast. <laughs> Give it about two years there, 1997. <laughs> There's no way it could suck, is what my don't 14 step, year old self don't would stay say. up overnight on the sidewalk to get in to see episode one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I know you're gonna stand in line for a couple hours, but uh, you probably, really, you can you, you, you can, probably rethink it. You can wait. <laughs> That's another evolving thing with the uh, movie culture is there's no more campouts or there's no more no long lines for films anymore. You can buy tickets to almost any film you want now, which is detrimental to not to sound like a an old man. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, a Luddite or something. But you kind of lose that. Not that we all loved standing in lines, but sometimes it was fun to like well, banter with other of, sense of wonder. Yeah, a, and there's a sense of culture mm-hmm. where you were all together and you're sharing that experience in that community. Yeah, so you talk, lose we, that. We talked about that before. Where you would you would get there two hours early. It was general access. Everyone got a ticket. But you didn't get a reserved seat. Yeah, you might not get. So a you seat. get there early, so you can be at the front of the line, see so your first dibs. Now with reserved seats. We can show up five minutes before the movie and not fret. There's no congregating and sitting around amongst your peers yeah. talking yeah. about, I can't wait to see this. Don't tell me anything. Don't spoil it. Or people that have seen it three times before right. that. or yeah. The last movie I did that with was, and that's just because they didn't, they have, they didn't update their seats yet, was Beauty and the Beast when mm. it came out a few years ago. The live action one? The live action one. Because it was opening weekend and there was a big draw for it. There was a it. buzz. And so there was a line for it in terms of not buying tickets, but just everybody had their tickets, but just getting seats. Yeah. That's the last time I've done something like that. So it's been a while. Now, one of my, I think that adds something to the movie going experience. One of my more memorable ones is when they re-released, when they did the special editions and I went to see a new hope because I'd never seen it on the big screen. And we were in the lot. They shoved this into the lobby because it's only playing on one screen because the theater wasn't ready yet. And so we were in this lobby with, you know, new fans like me in that generation. But then you were there with people who had seen it 19 times in the 70s. <laughs> right. Like all conversing. And you had different experiences, but it was around the same. Sure. Which is what people do now. That's why people go to like Comic-Con stuff now. Because exactly. we're in the same community. But we lost that with the whole theater experience. Now it's, you're literally going and watching TV, but in a public setting. Like you don't talk to each other. You don't. You get up and leave. You have recliners. Like it's not blankets. Yeah, it's not old theater experience. It's very accommodating to feeling like a home theater. But I think we are losing out on some of the movies. But they had movie, to do that to compete with TV. Exactly to get people back in. Yeah. But I think people are losing out on part of that experience, which is what we try to do with our movies: is try to get some sense of community and congregation going on. Before and after the movie, right. versus people just walking in, being on their phones. The movie starts, movies over, Watch they, it, le- leave. They, they leave. We try to get some sense of congregation and community going. Because yeah, you can do that at home, but I the, mean, you don't have to come to the theater. You can watch anything at home. By sitting around and talking about it either beforehand or after, you start getting exposed to new ideas or seeing. Because yeah. even now in our conversation here, you guys are brought up things that I didn't notice or pay attention to or think about in the movie. 
So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We there can't we can't solve all the world's problems. <laughs> Just some of them. My ending thoughts on Avengers. Would you see it again? No. Would no, you if it was, I would not. If, if it was on TV, would you stop and watch no. it? No. If I came over and brought the, the Blu-ray and said, we're going to sit down and watch this. No. And I brought a bottle of bourbon. No. I would say, here's the way it would happen. If it was July and I had my outdoor projector on and we were all standing around drinking and I said, sure, Tim, put Throw it the on. movie in there and uh, fast forward to action-y stuff, then maybe, but... It felt like it didn't feel like a movie you'd rewatch a bunch of times, even if you were a fan of it. I don't think I felt. I think it felt just like an end cap that you said, "I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad it ended the way it did." Moving on, I think is the way they filmed it. Comparing Force Awakens to Endgame, because Force Awakens made a lot of money because people went back and watched it well, again this, and again yeah. and again. But that was the continuation and start of a new story. Do you think Endgame is going to drop off significantly in its box office take after? Everyone has seen it once. Is yeah. Because I think the typical drop is 50%, yeah, 50% to 60%. I, I think a lot of the hype was front-loaded. And that's why they did that China. The only reason I can think of them releasing it in China at the same time is to boost that to say, look, it's a billion dollars in two days. Because it would have hit it. It just would have been a week, which doesn't sound... But I think they hit it in three days yeah, versus five days like, for Force wow. Awakens or Infinity... One of the Force Awakens or Infinity Wars hit one billion... The fastest, and of course, then in the game has beaten that record. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it was gonna hit it anyway. There, there's definitely gonna be people who do multiple viewings of it. Yeah, there will be, but not. I don't think it's gonna be a large number. Are of you people. gonna go see it again? <laughs> I can't. I when we walked out of the movie, I would have said no. But the more I'm thinking about it, which is I'm, I'm glad we're recording this the day of instead of a few days after we've had a chance to process it. I might go back and, get, and give a second chance just to see if maybe it's better than I re- I'm giving it based on my initial expectations and review. I'd be willing to give it a second chance. Hmm. I would go see it again with, in terms of the movie experience with other people. It'd be I, yeah, it'd be hard for not hard, but seeing it alone uh, would not be the easiest. No, because I, I, I think we did suffer from seeing it on a smallish screen. We were in a theater. We with, were in a small theater. There's a small theater, and the screen wasn't all that big. And I think we, I think it suffered from not being seen on a really big screen. Yeah, imagine seeing it in IMAX. Yeah, like having that big splash panel scene at the end on a on a giant IMAX screen. How that might be too much, though. How much of a spectacle? Sometimes IMAX spectacle is that too would much. Be, yeah. Like I saw uh, Dark Knight on IMAX, and it was almost too much. The theater we saw it at, I was doing a it was long. Quick, it was quick calculation. Half the theaters were showing Endgame, and we this theater was nowhere close to being full. No. I think it was closer than you think. No, because when I walked to go to the restroom, there was like two people at the end. It was Mike, and then there was like two people. Well, we did see it, it Monday at one fifty-five p.m. <laughs> so people were working and kids were in school. It wasn't full. It wasn't. Even but close over to the weekend. Full. No. Every yeah, theater I drove by Friday over the weekend night. had parking lots that were packed. Yeah, it'd be packed over the weekend. No, I, I wouldn't see it again. I imagine the second weekend it'll probably be... It'll drop off to be sure, but there'll still be people going to see. A lot of people still going to see it. Twice, maybe, or once. I mean, It's so long, though, I think that's going to hurt it, too. Yeah, because there's only so many times you can show it during the day if it's three hours. But it's so many times people are willing to sit. Well, I should say that my sister watched Titanic like 13 times, so never mind. <laughs> Throw that out the window. I forgot about that. 
in different times. She might have. Was Titanic paced better than Endgame? I'm not a Titanic fan. That's I the Titanic. I understand fan that, but it. you're talking about pacing. I, I yes, think... Titanic is paced better because Titanic's pacing, aside from that like last 20 minutes where they're trying it, to it, tie it, it up, it kept the, a level of excitement. It it peaked with the iceberg. It, yeah, like it kept rising. It wasn't although the beginning. The first what hour of it feels slow. It it is building to an eventual climax or resolution. Whereas, and even though we know how it how that movie ends, right? Well, yeah. but you had character you had character arcs. You had right. like her what was her name? His name Cal or Billy Zane's kid? Yeah, Cal was that? Yeah, I mean you had these different these various scenarios going on. Whereas this one, I felt like some of the pacing was just it. it it could have been written in better and been a little quicker. But yeah, than just it. scenes of we're gonna sit and be sad. I'm like, go be sad together, and then we all get the idea that you're sad, and then we can move on. But Titanic <laughs> also doesn't have to suffer or doesn't have to deal with being in a universe. No, yeah, there's no Titanic cinematic universe, which would be crazy to think but about. But being slow, <laughs> but pause. Being slow and pacing issues are two different things. You could still pace a film slow on purpose. Shining. The Shining is paced well, where it matches uh, Jack's kind of psyche. And the further he goes down into that rabbit hole, the faster the movie gets. Schindler's List. Yeah. But pacing issues comes when you have scenes that are overly long for no reason. And then you kind of throw in these like quick scenes where they should be longer. Those are pacing issues. Like You can pace yeah. scenes slow, but they have to build to something. No, yeah, and also what's nice about Titanic is it has two distinct parts. It has the front half and the back half. Front half and the back half. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. and he had intermission. <laughs> yes, pre iceberg, post iceberg. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much how I see, how I see it. No, you're right. Which that's a good that's that's a good pacing maneuver, a way to do that. Other Titanic movies I've seen because they're out there. Yeah. Uh, the one's called what the longest night or the a night to remember night. is that what yes. it is and that's a slow movie because what was it 53 52 53 i think they made it 58 but it's the same thing where you have pre and post iceberg and you're, you're watching it waiting to get to that iceberg because the rest of it's just kind of character drama it's or, like, yeah, or period drama let's get to it we, let's yeah get to, get to the action but then you couldn't just have a movie where it's like Oh, and they hit the iceberg and they're sinking and in real time. Because then you wouldn't care about the characters at all that are that are right. Battling you still have to have yeah. the characters. So kind of like how Schindler's List has all these different types of characters besides Oscar Schindler. Yeah, because you have to get to that to get to the end. Yeah, dramatic appeal. He's talking. Uh... Or like the what's the oh, young like... what's the young couple? Yeah. He goes down in the sewer and she won't go down in the sewer, yeah. and then but you follow them throughout the whole mm-hmm. movie, so it makes the. Makes it more meaningful. Yeah. Yep. I like the yeah, I like the, I like how Spielberg uses characters in that film. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park two. Not Jurassic Park two. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> Park as Jurassic well. Park also. <laughs> 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 yeah, Jurassic Park is. That's a that's a conversation for another day. Speaking of which, let's wrap this one yep. up. I think I think we've and I think we've almost. It's gone as long as Endgame the movie did. We've reached our Endgame. We did reach we our have. Endgame. I reached my Endgame. Dustin walked out feeling less satisfied. I walked out feeling less satisfied. Mike walked out feeling better. And satisfied. And, and satisfied. satisfied. Yeah. So if we had to do a... Was it a quorum? 
What do, what do we got? What's what's the, what's the, the grades ever drop to? Negative because we had more minus than positives. If we did a two thirds vote, we throw this movie out. Yeah, the movie would be thrown out. Send it, send it back to the the team for for <laughs> Just, re-editing. Yeah, we'll, we'll put sticky notes and say you did at this. <laughs> Here's what we like. Here's what's not working. More Iron Mike Man. Mike likes it. Yeah, but you can't just make it an Iron Man movie is the problem. They could have, and we yeah, would have. Yeah. I don't know, though. Anyway. Thank you, Mike, for joining us on today. Oh, yes, of course. Perhaps I can join you again. We hope to have you back. Yeah. Got lots of thoughts. Hopefully <laughs> no. Hopefully some of them are relevant. <laughs> and when does that matter on this podcast, whether yeah, they're relevant or not? You've yeah. obviously never listened to this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, we did go from talking about in-game to Titanic. I mean, that to works. A that's, Night to Remember. That's, that's what we do. Twilight Zone. Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, well, it's over. I'm not talking about it ever again. Ever again. Send us your thoughts and comments <laughs> to podcast at persiniafilmsociety.org. Or on Instagram or Twitter at Persinia Film. Anything else? Nope. You will Dustin has reached in. Yeah, I'm going to do some. He's got the bongo bottles out. Is that it? Yeah, that was, do that I that disappear? Was it. That was it. No, stop that. Um, That's it. <laughs>